You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always, on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game, that's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. we got a lot coming up today. We're going to get into some wide receiver discussion that we've kind of already danced around, Mark, but it's time to finally dive all the way into the deep end. Of course, we'll talk about some quarterback news as it pertains to a ranking that we saw later this week from a pretty notable publication that had the 49ers involved. And, of course, you know, we're going to pounce around as well, kind of move around this episode, Mark, before we get into all of it. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Monday evening when we're recording this, you're probably hearing it Tuesday morning or Tuesday, I would guess. Uh, we just got done watching the NBA Finals, and the the Nuggets closed it. They, they, they've won the NBA Finals. They beat the Heat. So what does that mean, Evan? It means the NBA season is over, and we're officially one step closer to football season. So while I am sad we have no more basketball, the end of basketball season does signal that football is right around the corner. I know we have a summer full of baseball, which is a lot of fun as well. But the end of basketball, it does mean football is closer, and I'm looking forward to that. How are you? I'm all right, Mark. I'm conflicted because as much as I always find myself in a decent mood, never too high, never too low, happiness is fleeting, I also <laughs> saw that the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA championship also means that, of course, number one nemesis of the 49ers in recent years, the Los Angeles Rams owner, Stan Kroenke, mm. has acquired another championship. And so you tack on the one with the Rams, and now here with the Nuggets. He's had some success in the past. I hate to break it to 49ers fans out there, Mark, but Stan Kroenke is building a successful ownership brand outside of, of course, your favorite team over there across the aisle. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's also the owner of the uh, Colorado Avalanche, who won the Stanley Cup, not this year, of course, that's still going on, but last year, uh, and he is also the owner, and his family is the owner of uh, Arsenal, uh, yeah, the, the that's football what, club, that's what soccer, soccer club out in England. Uh, I don't know if, I think I've probably brought it up before on, on the podcast, I'm a big Arsenal fan, I know you are not, no. um, so if, if Stan Kroenke and, and his family can only win championships... For one team moving forward, I would just hope it would be Arsenal, not the Rams. I don't I don't have any ill will towards the Nuggets or the Colorado Avalanche. Certainly don't want the Rams winning anymore. I think we're probably safe from that, at least for a bit longer. Um, but I do wish the Kroenke family nothing but success when it comes to their soccer endeavors. I, I, I could get behind that. Well, I hate to break it to you, Mark, but the trends would show that, in fact, they do win a lot, except for with one team. And so if you're asking <laughs> for if you can only win with one, it seems like they can only win with none. Or I should say they can't win with one. And that just happens to be uh, Arsenal. But we're not here to dig into soccer. We're not here to dig into basketball. We're here to dig into the 49ers. And uh, before we get going, Mark, some housekeeping. I do want to thank all of our loyal followers that have downloaded the Odyssey app that have downloaded, rated, and subscribed to us because we just got some very good news earlier today about where the podcast started, where it's headed. We have doubled our audience in less than a year, hoping to, of course, reach that mark yet again at the by the beginning of this season. Then, of course, 
move forward uh, into the 2023 year, which we hope is successful for the 49ers. But before we dive into our first topic of the day, I do have to say thank you to all those people that have listened to us so far. Yeah, second it as well. This has been a lot of fun bringing you 49ers conversations throughout the year. Uh, twice a week during the off season. Uh, it's been a lot of fun interacting with listeners of the podcast online, on social media, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Uh, it's been great. So if if you enjoy the podcast, please don't hesitate to to reach out. Let us know your thoughts. Tell us how we can improve the podcast, what you want to hear more of. If you have any questions, we could even do a mailbag episode. So hit us up on Twitter. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see our, our Twitter usernames. Um, if you're If you're listening, at Mark Grandy, Mark with the C, G-R-A-N-D-I, and then Evan is at E Giddings 10. Hit us up. Let us know. Of course, the, the show uh, has a Twitter page and an Instagram page as well, at the 415ers. We'd love to hear your feedback about the, the podcast as well. So a second everything you said and, and just welcome all feedback from all of our listeners. 100%. And so with all of that out of the way, the first thing we got to get into, Mark, is some more uh, back padding right here because the first topic of the day is as those watching on YouTube can see for those listening do the San Francisco 49ers have a Debo or Ayuk situation not a problem but a situation this is something that we've talked about an awful lot on this podcast the potential decision the 49ers have to make at the end of the 2023 year whether they want to keep their former 2021 All-Pro Debo Samuel, who they just paid $72.5 million last offseason, or do they want to give that big buck to potentially Brandon Ayuk and try to move on from Debo? Mike Silver, the San Francisco Chronicle, wrote about that at the tail end of last week, Mark, and so I thought we could use it as an opportunity to dig into something that we've already taken a lot of looks at throughout this offseason. Yeah, no, 100%. I am relatively convinced that this is something that the 49ers are going to have to deal with, and it's it's on their radar. They know it's coming. There's no decision that they have to make now. Brandon Ayuk, the team has already picked up his fourth-year option. He's a 49er for this coming year, um, and then they're going to have to figure out if they want to keep him around as they get ready for the 2024 season. And you could maybe say, all right, I know Debo Samuel is getting paid a lot. Brandon Ayuk, let's say he has a great season, continues his upward trajectory. Um, he's obviously going to want and going to deserve to be paid a, a relatively high amount of money, at least comparable, maybe less. I don't know exactly, but comparable to what Debo Samuel is making. Seems unlikely the 49ers are going to be able to stomach both of those contracts. Now, what if the 49ers go out and win the Super Bowl? Will ownership be more willing to shell out big money to multiple wide receivers um, after a Super Bowl championship? Sure. I think more likely to do that if they win it all as opposed to if they don't. And I know this isn't the best example. It's something that Mike Silver brought up in that piece that you're referencing from late last week, Evan. You remember the last time the 49ers were in the Super Bowl. Of course, they lost it, but they were in the Super Bowl. They lost to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in heartbreaking fashion. What was the 49ers' big move that offseason, Evan? It was to trade away an expensive piece because they didn't want to pay him a bunch of money. They couldn't pay both Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner big money, or at least they chose not to. They wanted to save a little bit of money at that position. So what did they do? They traded one away, of course, DeForest Buckner to the Colts. And they got, you know, draft picks and cap relief and all that. They ultimately end up picking Javon Kinlaw. 
So this conversation, Evan, the 49ers potentially having to choose between Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, it's not the first time they have been tasked with this sort of question or or obstacle. They It was a very similar situation back in the 2020 offseason. Again, when they traded away DeForest Buckner and they kept Eric Armstead, they gave Armstead an extension. They did not give Buckner an extension. And of course, the rest is history. That's thought of as one of the worst moves of this Shanahan and Lynch regime. That move, trading away your all-pro uh, DeForest Buckner. So this is something the 49ers are aware of. It's a similar decision to something that they've been faced in the past. And I think there's a very real possibility that this is the final year that both of these guys are under uh, the 49ers control. I think it is. And the reason being because of what you just brought up. Now, some might say, oh, hey, they chose Armstead over Buckner, and that was a terrible choice. But the choice was going to be one or the other. If mm-hmm. they had chosen to keep Buckner, they would have lost Armstead. You could say that's a better decision. I'm 100% with you. And I think they admitted that by going out and giving big dollars to Javon Hargrave this offseason because they needed another guy inside. Javon Kinlaw has not shown himself to be an adequate replacement. But this upcoming year, the issue that I see with both of these receivers is not that they're not good and not that they don't both complement the pieces surrounding them on the offense. But neither is a true, or I should say both of them are not true number one receivers. And when you have to pay $30-plus million to Nick Bosa, which is going to kick in down the line, when you already have Hargrave on a contract, when you have Armstead on a contract, when you're paying Kittle, when you're paying Warner, when you're probably going to have to figure out if you're going to want to pay someone like Trey Lance to stick around, maybe, maybe not. There are other financial choices the 49ers have to make at what they have, I think, by their actions, identified as more important positions. They like to build from the inside out. They work from the trenches and then move to the outside. That doesn't mean that having skill, good, good skill position players isn't great, but I do think it's very real, the choice and the situation between Debo and Ayuk right now. And I don't know if there's a lead dog in the fight. Obviously, they had to pay Debo last year. They did. To me, that was kind of to kick this decision. That's after 2023 down the line. They have not picked up Ayuk's fifth-year extension yet. That's something that, of course, they're going to have to figure out if they want to do and then pay him. Um, But I think the 49ers right now are in a very real spot between those two guys. And I do think it's going to come down to who performs better this season. One one other note about the Armstead-Buckner situation. I don't think the 49ers went into that. The, the decision that they went with, I don't think was which one is better. Let's go with that one. I think everyone in the 49ers, and I think it's fairly obvious, DeForest Buckner, the better player. But the other factor here is the money. They didn't have to pay Armstead as much as they had to pay Buckner because, again, Buckner is just simply the best. Also, player. sorry, apologies, Mark. They did pick up Ayuk's fifth-year option. I meant they they did. Sorry about that. Yeah, they, they just did, and that, that's why this isn't a decision they have to worry about uh, right now. Um, so maybe there's a, a similar decision here coming. I mean, Debo Samuel last offseason signed a three-year, $71.5 million extension. Does Debo Samuel, or pardon me, does Brandon Ayuk get a similar number to that? Maybe they think Debo Samuel is the better all-around player, but they know they can get De- or Brandon Ayuk for a little bit cheaper. So maybe that's the decision they go with. Maybe Brandon Ayuk has such an incredible season that he prices himself into the upper echelon, even above Debo Samuel. Who knows? And then maybe the 49ers are 
faced with a really difficult decision. Do we want Brandon Ayuk for more money than we already paid Debo? Or do we want to go with Debo Samuel, a player who might give you something similar that what Christian McCaffrey does? I don't know. What I think is interesting, and we might see it play out on the field this year, Evan, is you're, you, you see Brandon Ayuk coming into a contract year. He wants to prove that he's worth that bread. And you have Debo Samuel, of course, already earning that bread. But he's in a position where he feels like he has to prove himself to the 49ers if he wants to stay in San Francisco. So what you might get on the field, I don't think it's it's going to affect the team and their chemistry or, chemistry or anything. But I, I think you're almost going to have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk competing on the field almost against each other because they are both in a situation where they want all of the catches, all of the yards, all of the touchdowns, all of the touches, because again, as I just laid out, they both have reasons, very important and big reasons to want to have a career year this season. So I think you're going to see these two guys go as hard as we've ever seen them on the field at the same time, and they're going to be fighting for every touch they possibly can. I don't think it's going to get to a point where it's damaging to the 49ers because these sorts of competitions maybe could lead to butting of heads. I don't think it's going to go there, Evan, but I'm going to be really interested to see how this plays out on the field when these two guys, I I think pretty clearly are both going to want to have the best season they possibly can. Yeah. And look, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have when you have that kind of internal competition between these two guys, but we have seen already, I think if you look inside the division, you'll see probably the only example of highly paid top flight receivers that coexist and also complement each other, which is Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Now Tyler Lockett was paid before, I think this past season and he's about 16 to 20 in that range. DK Metcalf is far above. You generally do not see wide receivers that are paid on the same team, 20 plus million dollars. And if they are, it's for a very short amount of time. That's one of the reasons why you saw a guy like Keenan Allen's name potentially in waiver trade rumors from the chargers. Cause they're not going to be able to keep both him and Mike Williams. If they want to also pay a guy like Justin Herbert, who's about to get a huge payday. Uh, the four ers don't have that con- that contract scenario as far as their quarterback is concerned Mm -hmm. but they obviously have to pay nick bosa quarterback like money so again it's not a necessarily bad situation that the 49ers have with their own wide receivers but there's a very real choice that they're going to have to make if both of those guys like you mentioned perform up to expectations this season now if one of them falls off if Ayuk doesn't have a great season maybe he gets hurt god forbid who knows what happens to one of them then the 49ers could find a way to potentially negotiate that into a team friendly friendly deal and who knows maybe Brandon Ayuk would love to stay on a team friendly deal if it means competing for the Super Bowl I just don't see what the kind of money that wide receivers had made for themselves in recent years, as opposed to potentially running backs who haven't had their salaries jump the way that wide receivers have. I don't see Ayuk being willing to take that kind of pay cut if he's as good as we think he is and performs up to that level. So for me, the 49ers are in a situation where it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you don't get the type of production you're hoping for from either of them this year, you probably are not going to be in contention for a Super Bowl. But if those guys play up to their adequate level, which I believe they can, then it comes down to which one do you want to keep, which one do you want to pay, or I should say, do you want to pay Ayuk 
and move Debo? Or do you want to continue to pay Debo and move Ayuk? That's the reality they're looking at. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm not exactly sure how it's going to play out. Debo Samuel signed that three-year contract. Um, and, you know, of course, this he's playing this year and, and then next year. And who I mean, who knows if he's a 49er at that point. But I'm just curious to see how it's going to play out for the 49ers again, because you could be looking at, well, you know, you have, so let's, let's fast forward a year. You're, you have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk this year. They both have good years. I, I, Ayuk continues his upward trajectory. Debo Samuel doesn't quite reach the highs that he was at in 2021, but much better than he was last year in 2022. What, person what player do the 49ers want to keep who better complements the roster i i think it's brandon Ayuk at this point but then you have to factor in the money side of things i mean this the the market in, evolves quickly we've seen it in quarterbacks i mean justin pardon me uh patrick mahomes signed what a 12-year contract at the time it was the richest contract but basically every offseason this one, not so much, not a lot of high-profile quarterbacks getting big money. Uh, Jalen Hurts, one of them. But um, you mentioned when Justin Herbert signs his deal, that's going to be a record-breaking deal. When Josh Allen gets another gigantic contract, when Joe Burrow does, that's going to be a record-breaking deal. The Patrick Mahomes contract is already incredibly friendly for the the Chiefs based on the, the, the new contracts already. So how does the wide receiver market evolve from when Debo Samuel signed last year to when Brandon Ayuk potentially signs in a year from now? Is that going to affect how the 49ers ultimately decide on this wide receiver room? I'm not so sure, but it just seems like if you were to throw the money out the window and just ask who better complements this roster as it currently stands, I think it's Ayuk, but I I feel bad saying that because Samuel is so dynamic and so unique, but it just seems like Ayuk gives this team something that they can't get elsewhere. While I can't 100% say that about Debo Samuel. I actually think Debo is probably a better fit for what Kyle Shanahan wants to do because he's more versatile, but Brandon Ayuk's game is undoubtedly going to age better because he does not seek contact, whereas Debo, to me, is much more of a contact-seeking player. Uh, the issue with Brandon Ayuk is, to answer your question, yes, Mark, the wide receiver market is going to evolve <laughs> because Justin Jefferson is in the wide receiver market this upcoming season. It's just how much? Is he he's going to be the one outlier? And new, I mean, yeah. Well, Tyreek Hill's making $30 million a year. You don't think he's going to want more than that? Yeah, probably. And then you're looking at C.D. Lamb. You're looking at T. Higgins. You're looking at uh, a secondary guy like Gabe Davis. Like all those guys are going to want to get paid big money. And Brendan Ayuk is certainly not going to want to be left out of that. So uh, we can monitor that. But but yes, it is going to evolve for sure. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Download the Odyssey app and check us out there as well. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy with you as always. Um, well, as far as the 49ers upgrading this roster, Mark, we didn't think there was maybe too many opera wa uh, ways to do that, too many opportunities to. But in fact, it seems there might be because the Minnesota Vikings – allegedly are interested in dealing Daniil Hunter. Uh, we talked about how the Washington commanders are open to trade talks for a guy like Chase Young. 
Both of these players are defensive ends. And now the question is, one, do you go after Daniel Hunter? Or do you go after Chase Young? Or do you try and attempt to get both and hope that you fall into one of them? (laughs) I think you try your best to acquire both. Uh, You're definitely doing your homework on both of them. Daniel Hunter is a fascinating option for the 49ers. This last year played 17 games, was really good. Uh, he was, he, he's been one of the best defensive linemen edge rushers in the game. If he's healthy, 10 and a half sacks last year, he was a pro bowler has had a little bit of injury issues. 2020 did not play at all. 2021 only played seven games. So that's the the number one concern. He will turn 29 during this 2023 season. So it's not like he's at an age where you would expect him to continue to get hurt. And the fact that he had uh, like a 100% healthy 2022 gives you a lot of confidence um, that he can do that again. The question is, why is Minnesota getting rid of him? Well, they're kind of in this awkward transitional phase, it seems, right now with their roster. They're already getting rid of Dalvin Cook. They already have. They have no interest in bringing him back. We'll probably get some Dalvin Cook news in the future. Where does he go? Looks like they're trying to move off of Daniil Hunter. Of course, you mentioned Justin Jefferson. They're They're going to pay him a ton of money coming up soon. Kirk Cousins is not getting any younger. So they're in, I think, this kind of transitional phase. But that does not mean that Daniil Hunter is not a quality guy. He is. He is a fantastic football player. And if you were able to pair him opposite of Nick Bosa on an edge, where in the middle you have Armstead and Javon Hargrave, that is the best four-man front in football if you do that. And if you plug in Chase Young, same thing. (laughs) On the edges, that would be absolutely incredible. And you look at Daniil Hunter, what he might, if you do get him, what he would be owed not that bad. It would only be a five and a half million dollar cap hit for this coming season. The question does does become, well, do you want to sign him to an extension and keep him around? Or are you trying just to trade him for a one year rental, try to win a Super Bowl this year and then say your goodbyes and, and, and not have to pay him beyond that? I'm not so sure. All I know, Evan, is that Daniel Hunter, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave would present offenses with incredible problems. That would be the best four down lineman in football, bar none. That would be incredible. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers might have the best defensive line without Daniel Hunter or Chase Young. Uh, I know the Philadelphia Eagles are certainly up there. The Buffalo Bills have had some good defensive lines in recent recent years. Uh, but the 49ers are, yeah, you'd be looking at an all-star team, a fearsome foursome, so to speak. But I think the reason why the trade for each is difficult is the reason why it's also so enticing, which is uh, these guys are gettable and they're gettable for a reason, whether it's because of the injury history. Uh, Chase Young, of course, last year was coming off an ACL tear and had a great stellar rookie season after that. Injuries. Daniel Hunter, uh, herniated disc, 2020. 2021, the torn peck. That's why he only played seven games last year. And not that Daniil Hunter is at an age where you can't overcome that, but 29, you might say he's had some injuries recently, whereas before he was very sturdy. I think every year that he's been healthy, he's had at least double-digit sacks. Uh, So you know that he's productive when he's on the field. But also Minnesota, 
is looking at a situation where if they don't deal him, they let him walk, they get a third round pick back. So you're going to have to at least divvy up a third round pick, probably more. Um, I know that on draft night, I threw out first round pick for Chase Young. That might be what it also would take for Daniil Hunter. Could be a day two pick in the second round as well as a third rounder. Who knows? Um, maybe someone like Trey Young would interest Minnesota. Trey Lance. Lance. Or Trey Lance, sorry, when I said Trey Young for he's on my <laughs> mind basketball. Yeah, Trey Lance, uh, who they've been rumored to be interested in and had talks with. I still don't think the 49ers would move off of Trey Lance, even if it got them their star-studded defensive line. But uh, yeah, Mark, like there are going to be costs to both of these guys if you try and go after them. Chase Young's cap hit is also five and a half million. Money-wise, they can make it work. I think it's just a question of how much capital they want to give up. And the 49ers, to me, also don't have to do this immediately. Like just because they don't trade for Daniel Hunter this offseason doesn't mean that if Minnesota stumbles out of the gates and they want to try and move pieces at the trade deadline, 49ers could be involved then. Uh, so this is something that I think is intriguing that I would be a fan of, but also you could table it for down the road. I think there's also a situation here where if you're Daniil Hunter, another hurdle, I think any team trying to acquire him or even the Vikings standing pad and playing him in 2023, a hurdle that any team, again, trying to acquire or play Daniil Hunter has to hurdle potentially is signing him to an extension because he might just refuse to play with just one year left on his contract. He might want the extension now, and if you do not give him the extension, he'll just say, fine, I'll sit out and I'll wait. That that also could be a hurdle that teams have to get over. And if the 49ers try to acquire him on a trade, they talk ahead to him and, and figure everything out, and he just says, well, I'm not playing on this one-year contract where I you know, I only have a cap hit of $5.5 million. I want promises and I want to be paid like one of the better defensive ends in football, because you look at since he entered the league uh, in 14 games as a rookie, or he only started once he had six sacks. He didn't start a single game. His second year had 12 and a half sacks Uh, in 2018, his fourth year, he had 14 and a half sacks was an all pro named to a pro bowl. The next year, again, 14 and a half sacks finished fifth in the defensive player of the year voting was a pro bowler once again. Uh, 2021, of course, was injury riddled. Last year was very good once again, double digit sacks. He's one of, one healthy, one healthy. He's one of the best defensive ends in football. And I'm sure he wants to be paid like it. He's getting a good amount of money right now, but he also, of course, every player in the NFL without a lot of guaranteed money, generally, they want the promises of, you know, contracts in the future. So there's, I think, a very real possibility here, Evan, that any team acquiring Daniil Hunter, and maybe the same for Chase Young, but I think Daniil Hunter more so because he is on the older side, at least older than Chase Young. I think he might want to be paid and and get pen to paper before playing for another team. And, and that might be a step too far for the 49ers. I think a, a dream situation, of course, would be not having to give up Trey Lance, giving maybe a, a day two, a second round pick perhaps for Daniil Hunter, and really just using him as a one-year rental and deciding potentially as the season moves along next offseason if that's something they want to explore, if they want to keep him around for longer. Uh, but I'm not so sure the 49ers would be keen 
to agreeing to a new deal with Daniil Hunter this offseason when we've already talked about all the decisions that they have coming up and all the money they have to pay elsewhere, I think that might be one hurdle too high for the 49ers to clear. Yeah, I don't think they would want to do that. I don't think they can financially do that. And I don't think that that would be good business practice for them to spend the amount of money that they are at that one position. Because then you'd be looking at the amount of money you're going to spend on Bosa and the guy opposite him. Uh, that makes for a great defensive line, but you take away from so many other spots. That's why I do think that if this is going to happen, and I hope that it would uh, at some point, but I think it would be midseason, and I think it would be during the trade deadline because as much as we like to talk about how a player like Hunter doesn't want to play under a one-year deal and isn't comfortable without a contract, this is not the same game as the other major American sports if you do not play in football, you do not get paid and money talks eventually. And so I think Daniel Hunter would play under the last year of his deal for Minnesota. And if he was traded to San Francisco midseason, would also play at the chance at earning a big deal in the next offseason if he could prove it with the 49ers. So uh, I think I think that's definitely something that the Niners could take a look at. And I think they should go after him. They, they should try and see how they can possibly get better for this season as we've identified as one that need to be all in on. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, 95.7 The Game. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. Please follow us on social. Uh, Download the Odyssey app and check us out there. Rate, subscribe. We appreciate it. Last part of this, Mark, is uh, a little bit of quarterback, not news, but rankings, we'll call it. Pro football focused, well-established, well-known. One of my favorite sites has released its, I guess, off-season quarterback rankings You know, prior to training camp. And the PFF has second-year quarterback Brock Purdy number 23 on its list of quarterbacks. And I'll give you the floor. What did you think about it when you saw it? Um, kind of at a loss for words. There are so many names ahead of him that feel kind of disrespectful. Um. Obviously, I don't think anyone in their right mind should be putting Brock Purdy in a top 10, even a top 15. Just that the sample is is not big enough at this point. That would be unfair to the likes of, I don't know, Derek Carr and Jared Goff. Uh, excuse me, you can hear in the background a, a siren going by. But uh, I, I think that there's a, a name, Kenny Pickett, right ahead of Brock Purdy. The PFF has Brock Purdy coming in at 23. Kenny Pickett, 22. Mac Jones, 21. Russell Wilson, 20. Ryan Tannehill, 19. That feels, eh, that feels unfair to me. I, I know, I again, I get the small sample size. I get all of that. But Brock Purdy coming in behind Kenny Pickett and Mac Jones specifically. What have you seen from either of those two quarterbacks that makes you believe that they're better than Brock Purdy? That, that That's wild to me. I think Brock Purdy looked good enough through his relatively small sample size last year that he deserves to be ahead of those guys. And, and part of the deal with Brock Purdy is the small sample size. I could say the same exact thing about Kenny Pickett. And in his small sample last year, he looked way worse than Brock Purdy. Again, I know on a, a worse offense that a lot of weapons – uh, for that team, and, and they weren't nearly as good of a team, of course. I think Brock Purdy did at least, at least good enough to to deserve to be ranked higher than Kenny Pickett and Mac Jones and potentially even Ryan Tannehill and Russell Wilson. Might just be me. I don't know. 
Uh, but I think 23 is a bit too low for me. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, but the, for those out, out, the, out there wondering, uh, don't worry. He was not ranked lower than Jimmy Garoppolo because <laughs> One Jimmy <spot>. Garoppolo <laughs> is number 24. Uh, but but name me those those quarterbacks you were, you were uh, salty about or disagreed with, Mark. Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones, Russell Wilson, and Ryan Tannehill. Specifically those, those four. Any of those guys have off-season elbow surgery? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. Yeah, I, I I can't recall any either. That's the only explanation for this ranking. Let, let's be honest. Uh, is PFF sleeping on Brock Purdy? If he was 100% healthy, I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt and say no, they would not be. But this guy has had UCL surgery. And I think that even with all of the check marks that he's had so far, all the obstacles, all the hurdles that he's gone through, and he's right on track for week one and all seems to be well and uh, Dr. Meister did an incredible job at repairing and putting that brace inside the elbow for Brock Purdy to let it rip come week one against the Steelers against a guy ranked higher than him, Kenny Pickett. But at this point, Mark, there are still potential setbacks that could happen that could prevent Brock Purdy from being a top 20 quarterback this season just because of games played. So that's the only explanation that I have of why he is ranked 23rd among the quarterbacks right now, the starters in the NFL, because I'm 100% with you. Everything we saw last year tells you that not only Brock Purdy is not, he may not be a top 10 quarterback, he might not be a top 15 quarterback, but he is damn well not sure a bottom 10 quarterback in football, which is where he's currently placed in this list. Uh, what's maybe more fun to look at instead of who is he behind, who is he ahead of? Uh, and it's a, a list of a bunch of nobodies. Again, one spot behind Brock Purdy is Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, that's kind of funny in and of itself. But Jimmy Garoppolo, one spot behind Brock Purdy. Then the rest of the list, Evan. Bryce Young, Jordan Love, Sam Howell, Baker Mayfield, Colt McCoy, because he'll be the starter this year, presumably for Kyler Murray, C.J. Stroud, Desmond Ritter, and then excuse me, and Anthony Richardson rounding out the top 32. So you have the rookie class. You have last year's rookies uh, in Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell. You have a first-year starter in Jordan Love, who we really don't know anything about. And then you have Baker Mayfield, and then you have Colt McCoy. That's the group behind Jimmy Garoppolo, who's, who's one spot behind Brock Purdy. If those are the only quarterbacks that Brock Purdy is better than, that's bad news for the 49ers because Brock Purdy is miles better at least than what those people have put on tape at the NFL level. Um, so certainly he's right to be ranked above those guys, but I feel like there's quite a big gap between Brock Purdy at 23 and everyone else below him at 24, 25, 26, and so on. Uh, I, I feel like this list is doing a little bit of a disservice to Brock Purdy. And I, I get it's a small sample, but I think sometimes we are a little overly eager to write off what we witnessed and how incredible it was just because it, it came in a relatively small sample. Brock Purdy looked fantastic last year. And I think at times we can just write off great performances by saying, well, let's see him do it over a whole year. But I also think there are situations where you can see it was more than just a flash in the pan. Not saying that Brock Purdy ever has a, an MVP ceiling in him. I'm not saying that. 
but he's certainly better, I think, than the 23rd best quarterback in the NFL. I believe so, too. Uh, but to use your logic against some of the guys higher up on this list, I know it doesn't have to do with the 49ers, but I would like to make some proclamations. Aaron Rodgers, ranked number five on this PFF list, <laughs> will not be in the top 10 by the end of this season, even with a new team in the New York Jets. Also, number 11 on the edge of the top 10 is one Tua Tungavailoa. He will not be a top 15 quarterback. Wow, you're this not a year. fan of the Dolphins. Huh? I do not like the Dolphins. I think Oof. they're fraudulent. And I also think that Kirk Cousins, who comes in ninth on this list, will be a top 10 quarterback. Oh, now you're just saying game. that to get me upset. What do you mean? <laughs> you're getting me all riled up here at the end of the episode. I don't know. I just no, that, that one came off the top of the head. The other guy that I had that won't, won't be a top, top half quarterback. That's ranked number 12 is Matthew Stafford. Okay. Fair enough. I agree on that one. Uh, I disagree entirely on your Tua and Kirk cousins takes. I think Tua at the end of this season, uh, we're going to think of him as a top seven quarterback in the NFL. I think he has a great season in him. Uh, Kirk Cousins, not so much. I think maybe if you fast forward a year, he'll be around 15. One outside of the 15, Evan, uh, outside of the top 15 that I think is going to have a fantastic season and deserves more recognition. Our Detroit Lions, Jared Goff. I think he's going to have a fantastic year once again. Uh, and I think he's he's ranked 16. Uh, I think he's going to have put together one of the 10 best seasons uh for quarterbacks this coming year. Uh, I think he's going to be fantastic. And if we were to revisit this list potentially in January, we might look at that one as one of the bigger misses from this particular PFF ranking. Uh, I think the Lions are going to win the division. I think Jared Gaff is going to be fantastic. Uh, and he, he deserves a little bit more recognition. Yeah. Uh, I, as much as I, I want to agree with you, because I do love the California Golden Bears, I will agree that Jared Goff is going to be a, a better quarterback than people assume this season. Uh, I cannot say that the the Detroit Lions are going to win the division, though. Who's going to win that division? It's going to be the Vikings. Oh God, disgusting! Daniel Hunter's going to have uh, <laughs> eight sacks before the trade deadline, and he's going to come oh, over yeah. to the 49ers. Yeah, he's going to have eight sacks on the back end through a miraculous playoff run that will ellipses dot 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 <laughs> TBD. I'll leave you. I'll leave you there. Thanks. And yeah. that's how I think we should end this episode, Mark. Uh, so we appreciate you all tuning into the 415ers as always on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. We're coming at you as you're listening to this on Tuesday in 48 hours. Another episode this week, twice a week in the offseason. Download the Odyssey app, rate, subscribe to us there, and we will talk to you next time.